as always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. And as always, if you folks have, you know, seven or eight figures worth of investable wealth, um, these are the guys that you want in your corner. These are honest, ethical professionals who can help you at every step along the way. Uh, They're the allies that you need on your side. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Dan, uh, back from Missoula this week. Uh, I uh, We appreciate Tessa stepping in uh, last week. Unfortunately, you guys are going to have to put up with Dan again. Um, how, how, was, uh, how was Missoula? Well, first of all, I wonder, did people probably actually not miss me very much? Did people notice you were gone? Probably not. <laughs> well, it's no. good to be back. I, it, I did miss doing the podcast. I do actually look forward to this. Um, it's the first time either one of us have missed one, isn't it? It is, which is interesting because... Right now, Joe's actually teaching me how to use the software because he's going to be missing a couple for his wedding, and I'm going to I'm supposed to do it alone. But I do have someone lined up as a co-host, as a surprise, a surprise co-host. Guest. You guys will see. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, but anyhow, back to Missoula, right? Yes, Missoula. How how was it? It was incredibly fun. I just absolutely love that place. Um, I love the vibe there. I love the scenery. I love how green it is. I don't love how steep everything is, but I, I can deal with that. Um, the race director, Sean, there is just one of the coolest people I've ever met. And his coolness is just contagious. He makes that whole cycling community just cool and chill and fun and awesome. And I just can't say enough good things about Sean. So um, our, our ride, we had a huge group there. I honestly think Maybird probably had more people than any other team or club there. I'd have to say we had a really good representation. I I took nine kids in the van and nine kids and bikes and tents and stuff in in a very crowded van and we had a lot of fun. It was kind of a a party van. How um, long is that drive? I think it's about eight hours. Oof. But Oof. It, it went by pretty quick. Uh, the group I took was super helpful, super just just a really, really good group, really well behaved, at least as far as I know. Um, we had several other families that traveled there and, um, just on their own and stayed on their own, but we hung out as much as we could. And, um, any results of note? Well, you know, we had a lot of really solid results, especially kind of in the, the USAC categories. Um, you know, probably the most impressive performance to me that I just wanted to highlight was Xander Lyman's, um, his last race on Saturday. He, um, on the start, someone knocked into him and broke his axis shifter off. Oh my God. His shifter, like his came shifter off. fell off, hit the ground and was on the ground. And he picked it up, walked over the race official and told the race official he couldn't race. And I came running down and I wasn't running very fast. It took me a little while to yeah. get, to get to him. And I, I looked at it and like, Oh, we might be able to fix this. So we actually 
did fix it, but it took a while. Right. To, but it's know. a perk of access. It's just, it, I mean, he still could have shifted from his pocket, right? That's you know? probably true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it took a while to get that fixed. Um, and, and he's kind of like, you know what? There's no point in racing. I'm just, I'm done. I'm like, no, just, just, you're here. Just go ride. And his mom kind of is like, come on, just go ride. And so we convinced him to go ride. He started riding and then just, uh, first lap, I think he was just kind of having fun, being playful, but then he started like catching people. Right. Start chasing carrots. Yeah. And he started picking a lot of people off. And by the end of the race, like, I think, um, he had passed all the other Maybird riders, you know, and really other than Colin wow. and, um, and was, I'm like, gosh, I wish I could have seen his performance if he didn't have, because that's the kind of bittersweet thing when we cool, cause stories like this are cool. But then you're like, oh, what if it had been, yeah. What if he started with the rest of them and didn't right. have a two minute disadvantage when he, which is especially at the start that yeah. sucks. But the Missoula is just a cool place. It's super steep. Like the race course is like, um, I think it's about a little over a couple miles of, well, like in, in a two mile climb, you climb about 1200 feet. And oh my gosh, whoa, it's, whoa, that, that number kind of went over my head for a second. Then I really thought about it. Like that's, I don't know if there's very few climbs in Utah that are that steep. It's just a brutal, brutal, brutal climb. And it never like during the climb, there's like this one little descent section that probably lasts like 15 seconds. Or, I mean, it's mostly just going up and it's like, it's like riding the solitude road, um, super steep. And then the descent, the, the top descent has some like fun flowy sections and then the the classic descent is just this like super steep switchback that right. is a little bit scary it's like easier to ride than it is to walk down it's that steep wow so oh but gosh. it's just so much fun just a fun place we had a, such a good time all of our riders just did amazingly well like there's there's kind of too many cool results and podiums i mean i have a bunch of podium pictures and any particularly bad results people we want to scold down yeah that would be me i <laughs> i signed up for a race it was kind of funny and they put like the 30 through 50 together and we started with the the 13 and unders Oof. Or, or no the 13 to 14 i was gonna say 13 and under what no, a weird yeah, the, race you had like 13 and under like and no it's like the 12 and 13 year olds or whatever or 13 and 14 year olds okay there we go i just figured that out okay and and they started us all together and like all the guys in my group were just way faster and they just, and I don't do really good at super steep Hills. So I was battling the whole race with a bunch of 13 year olds and felt really Ooh, cool. That's, that's demoralizing <laughs> kids that were born in what, what now, like 2011. So, but I had, I had so much fun and I didn't even look at my result. I, um, yeah, but I had, I had a lot of fun there. And Missoula is a crowd pleaser. It is. It's kind of like the coolest race every year. It really is. And the interesting thing to point out is they had, about four races there that you could sign up for. And we had some kids, like a lot of kids raced three cross country races in one weekend. That's, can you imagine? No, that's, that's too much. That's a lot. Um, yeah, we had one rider that did all four. No, really? Who was that? No, was, Kyson did all four. Oh, Kyson. Good old and, Kyson. And the kids were tired by the end. And then they still went on a ride after on, on Sunday. So yeah. lots of tired kids this week. Yeah. But but it was super fun. I'm super happy about it. So well, that's great. Uh, other result we have to talk today. Uh, congratulations to Joe Cochran, ninth place in the Dirty Dino Gravel Grinder out in Vernal, which is kind of becoming a pretty 
pretty that's big. gonna be a big race it's that's... a big race and it gets rave reviews people love it it's it's tough too it's like what seven it's 100 miles hours. yeah 100 miles like twelve thousand feet of climbing or something up yeah that's it pretty high up there too right and he kind of decided to do it last week or last minute and he um you know he'd he'd had a little time off for a senior trip and his legs weren't quite there and and he even kind of had a hard training week leading into it um but just kind of wanted to do it for fun but wow he you know, he did great. Bravo. Awesome. So brought freaking Vo for Joe. It's any, probably any, any his other, tires. I'm sure. But it's, it is absolutely the Kenda tires yeah. propelling him to a top 10 in the pro division. Uh, any other results of, of note locally? I always feel bad. I feel like there's some kid who's going to do some great race and then hope he gets, and then he doesn't get a call. If, if that ever happens, just let us know. We'll give you the call out. You, you, you've earned one. Dan and I are both very, like super forgetful. Yeah. And there's so much stuff going on. This part on. of the show, we don't really have notes. We just kind of go in. This part of the show. <laughs> I don't have notes for any parts of the show. Um, I, I do think we should, we should talk. Um, I, I always do the, the world, the world of cycling news. Um, this was a, a really rough week um in the world of cycling for the first time by my account for the first time since 2011 a professional rider died as a result of a crash in competition this week um gino mater from switzerland uh i believe was 25 26 just a little older than me really promising super promising very likable media friendly um kid on the bahrain victorious team uh, was racing the Tour de Suisse, Tour of Switzerland, which is one of the big uh, tune-up races for the Tour. Um, he was involved in a, a very high-speed crash into a ravine with um, American Magnus Sheffield on Team Ineos. Uh, Sheffield was concussed and, and suffered some other pretty serious injuries, but is okay. Uh, Mater, unfortunately, uh, was unresponsive and when they found him, and they airlifted him to a hospital, but he, uh, he didn't make it. Um, Riders die in competition, um, you know, maybe once every couple of years. Um, it's usually the result of getting hit by a car or there was one in 2017, I believe Michael Golart just had a heart attack. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty rare that a professional cyclist actually dies as a result of a crash. The last time this happened was in 2011 at the Giro. A, a rider named Wider Waylance had another high-speed crash. Um, it's rough. I don't know if I'm uh, wasn't like, he going over 60 miles an hour. They don't know how fast he was going when he crashed. They don't actually have cameras on it. Um, they were clocked going over 60 miles an hour. The tour de Suisse is kind of notorious for these really long open descents on really high quality roads. And, and um, you know, before we'd learned that Mater had passed away, world champion Remco Evenepoel came out after that stage and was really upset. He was like, you shouldn't have a really high speed. Des-. Basically they had a really high speed descent into the finish. And the problem there is it is it incentivizes people who get who are doing their job. Not not we're amateur racers, right? We decide how much risk to take based on something we're doing for fun. These people are, are it's their job. It's mm-hmm. their job to win races, right? Gino Mater woke up every morning and went to work the same way I go to work by racing bikes. Um, they were clocked doing over sixty. Wow. Um, and you know what? It's it's the responsibility of race organizers to make sure it's it's safe for riders to go as fast as they can. So there's some really uncomfortable questions cycling's going to have to answer about 
what to do in situations like this. Um, th you know, we had the short track in Leo Gang Austria. To be totally honest with you, I, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch bike racing this weekend. I'll, I might watch the cross country tomorrow. I know that Pauline Ferron Prevost won the women's short track, I believe, and she posted. She was like, you know, I want to race today, but like that doesn't really matter. Like the whole cycling world's really in shock. Mm. It's 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 a pretty uncomfortable thing because, you know, it reminds us that like the sport that we do is risky. It is more risky than other things. There are very few sports that are riskier than this. And I think especially because like with, with mountain biking, you know, you get in a crash mm -hmm. and you're going to get scraped up. You're going to oh, get yeah. a concussion. You could break a collarbone. Spend a with, week off. With the road, um, you, you're not going to crash as frequently, but if you do, it's, it's... It's really bad. Really bad, especially if it involves a car. So. Yeah. And, and I should say really quick that like in, in the past few years, we've lost Davide Rebelin. Um, uh, we lost um, Michele Scarponi as results of like crashes they had with cars where they're hit by cars in training but this is uncomfortable because this is this could have been televised you know this was this was in competition so um just something to consider this weekend you're going to be reading about it a lot on if you're on cycling instagram uh read about it go read about yeah, Gino i saw Mater's his life. picture coming up a lot in instagram and i yeah. wasn't quite sure until you mentioned until you're talking yeah. about it now what that was all about yeah. so but something to think about um you know uh like i said i don't know if i'll, I'll run I, I will say to kind of close on the cycling news most of the teams pulled out of the tour de swiss um the following day they did like a a 20 kilometer processional ride that wasn't you know a race or anything to honor him and then the racing did continue today uh, remco won the stage and you know it was it was very much you know pointed up when he came across the line i have a video of it posted to my instagram story if you want to take a look at that but um, you know, I, I, we're coming up on a year of doing this podcast. I hope we're doing it for another 10 or 20 and there are going to be weeks where rough stuff happens and, you know, um, something to think about, um, you know, go ride your bike, enjoy every moment and, uh, uh and don't die and don't die. Um, but we do have an interesting topic today. Um, uh, this is one that when I, when I first heard it, I kind of assumed this would mostly affect the, um, the more seasoned riders that we're talking to. Um, but I think this is probably a problem for you cyclists too, more and more. No, I think this really affects the unseasoned a little bit in a lot of ways. Really? Yeah. But well, first of all, um, first of all, thanks so much to people that ask questions and, and suggest topics for podcast topics. Oh, that yeah. really, please, that, like, we, please, if you suggest it, there's a good chance we'll do it. It really is. And I, I've had some really good suggestions lately. I was almost glad I didn't do the podcast last week because I kind of didn't have anything that I was really wanting to talk about it, you know? And, um, but when I was at Missoula, it, the the topic I wanted to talk about just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks and there was like nothing else I could have talked about because so at Missoula about half of our riders were complaining about having bad backs during the race back pain back pain and I know a lot of riders they're good riders you know they're really fast that I, I can think of a couple that will pull out of races because they, their back pain is so excruciating. Yep. It, it almost seems to me kind of like to what cramping is to me, back pain is to them. It's kind of the thing that, that even when your legs are great, everything else is great. It can, it is, and when things like that take you out of a race, that sucks. And, and I'm, I'm surprised at how big of an issue it is. You know, like, um, like there's just a lot of kids that, that complain about having a bad back. And if you're listening to this and you never have back trouble, let me just promise you that the things we talk about today 
are going to make you a better writer, even if you don't oh, yeah. have back trouble. Oh yeah. So. It's one of those things. Cause like, I have to remind people like human beings did not evolve to ride bikes. Bikes are a pretty recent invention. Our bodies aren't, I mean like bikes are obviously designed to accommodate the human body as well as they can, but like your body biomechanically is not set up to like sit in that position with the weight in those places, you know, hold like your, your arm. Like for me, I always get shoulder pain. I don't get back pain so much, but like, um, if you don't address that, like it, it, it really, it slows you down quite a bit. Absolutely. No, the interesting, one interesting thing to point out is most of these kids like only have back trouble during races really, and not, not so much on like long rides. Really? It's mostly during races, which is kind of interesting. Um, so first of all, huge, enormous disclaimer, obviously because we're both idiots, Joe yes. and I are not doctors. We are not medical professionals. I don't know how many, we should just call this the, we are not medical professionals podcast, you know, and, and we're not giving medical advice, you know, but this is a topic I looked into a lot and I think I found a few things that, that I think will be helpful for sure. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of kids that are having back troubles that are addressing it seem to almost be kind of dealing with really kind of, you know, kind of like smaller issues rather than addressing some of the bigger ones that, right. that I've, you know, at least the ones I've talked to, you know, yeah, they're mowing the weeds, not pulling up the roots. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. a good metaphor. So, so I think this, I think this will be helpful. Um, now, when we're talking about back trouble, what we're talking about is if you have an otherwise healthy back and your back hurts when you're riding or racing your bike. So let's say it really quick, otherwise healthy. So what would be some like... like that would mean that the only time you, you generally experience back pain is when you're riding your bike. Okay. Like most of the time, like you can go through life, your back feels fine. You get on the bike, your back hurts. That's kind of what we're talking about today. So for the more seasoned individuals where you just have a bad back all the time, we're not probably going to help with that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This is assuming your back is otherwise healthy. Okay. Um, you know, you don't have like a herniated disc or, you know, right. Or, or one leg's not half inch shorter than the other or something right. or, you know, you know, JFK, I think JFK had that. Like one you know, actually was... about, about half of the people do. It's really, what, it's what, not uncommon. What half? Of well, not that people? much, but most, oh, okay. almost everybody has. No, Cause like oh. his shoes were like really like one of them. They had to yeah. like make, yeah, but that's not really, you know, like Sorry. a lot of people that have back trouble on the bike might even go into a doctor, get examined, yeah. get examined and the doctor really can't find anything wrong with them. Which is, it is worth probably going to a doctor just to see if you should is, anyway, so, obviously, yeah. you know, but you know, a lot of these, tro the, the, a lot of the issues that will arise on the bike, the doctor might not even be able to pinpoint because it's really kind of Super your relationship specific, with the yeah. bike that's causing the problem. So, yeah. so, so we're at, we're at Missoula. Um, you know, we had three, at least three kids there that had really bad back pain during the race. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay this is really interesting. And I went and talked to all the kids, you know, and asked them some questions, you know, and I did find out that the true, most of them really only experienced back pain during races. Um, you know, and I asked the kids a lot of questions about things they're doing. And it seems like they're all trying a lot of different things to, to improve that. Um, you know, as I dug deeper, maybe they're not doing enough on, on certain, on the, on the more difficult things to do. I don't think they're doing enough. Um, and I think there's certainly some things that we're going to talk about that they could do that I, I think would, would help for sure. So, um, 
But while we were there, you know, I was, I was kind of like, you know, where can I start learning about this? And I, I realized, and I met this guy before there at a previous, a previous year, there's actually a doctor that lives up there that's, that's done work with like world tour teams. He's oh, a, wow. an, an incredible cyclist himself. And, um, he's a sports medicine doctor. His name's Dr. Robert Army, MD, up there. Oh, okay. And he was actually there. And oh, so, really? And so um, I went over to him, and I, I'm like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, sure. Super cool guy. And I'm like, okay, so we've had several of our riders here have been complaining about really sore backs. And it seems like it only happens when they're racing. I'm like, what, what do you think it is? And he said something that I thought was was super interesting. Um, first thing he said is he's like, okay, you know, the reason so many people have bad backs at Missoula is because it's so steep. And, oh, interesting. And they're pushing too hard of gears. Oh, okay. Because it's true that your body changes depending on the on the grade, right? It really the way does. that you sit on the bike, hundred percent. Yeah, the changes. way you extend your legs, a lot yeah. of things. But what he said it was, he's like. He's like, you know, so, so a lot of these kids are pushing too hard of gears okay. that they're not really capable of pushing. Their cadence is too low. Okay. And so they're having to use leverage from their handlebars oh. to be able to rotate the cranks. And he said that, 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 you know, that that's using some underutilized muscles in the back that, that just wear out by the, you know, after a half hour so or so. So we're dealing there with like muscular soreness is, is the... Yeah, it's okay. basically muscular soreness. Because isn't like with, with like it, normal back pain, isn't a lot of it like spinal? Like it's not necessary. So this is like a very specific kind of back pain that we're dealing with, right? Yeah. And that's, um, yeah. And this would specifically be muscle soreness. Okay. Um, so when I thought it was super interesting and, and, but then he started talking about just the importance of strength and mobility training. And he used Keegan as an example, you know, like the amount of strength and mobility training that Keegan does. And he said that, he said that really that's, that's ultimately the key to preventing it. And then I asked him a question. I'm like, well, how important is bike fit? And he goes, well, and I'm quoting right now. He goes, well, if you're strong enough, you can ride anything. Interesting. Okay. Which, which means it's very important because I doubt many people are strong enough to like ride a bike that doesn't fit pain-free, right? Well, I think that obviously, you know, the conclusion we're going to come to is that they're both important. Right. Yeah. So it was a super interesting conversation with them. And, um, and you know, and, and I started kind of doing my research for the topic and, and you know, from, from – Everything I read and from all the good sources I found, what he said was ac- exactly in line. Really quickly, so, just whenever we talk about these things, what, where do we, where do you go for your information? Because this is a really fraught thing, like looking for health advice on the internet. What if, really quick, just so people know, like that we're giving them good information. Where, where do you get this stuff from? Well, a lot of it, um, a lot of it, I just, just read stuff from like I, I, I looked into like some different respected bike fitters. Okay. Um, Dr. Andy Pruitt, I, I looked into a lot of his stuff. Um, and you know, and so that's kind of where I, where I started. Um, but I, I came up with like, with basically three things that it all comes down to. Okay. Okay. So, and we're, I'm going to list these three things, but then we'll go through each of them. Okay a little closer is the the first one is is strength and mobility okay okay the second one 
is position and posture. Okay. And the third one's cadence. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, and, and cadence was the kind of one that kind of surprised me. Well, because it's very intuitive, like your bike fit, your core strength and everything, those would, you know, your posture. Yeah, you hear bike. that all the time. Cadence, but, though. Yeah. When, when Dr. Armin said that, I thought that was just crazy, but I heard that from a lot of other people too, how important cadence is. And, um, Helena Archibald actually approached me and, and suggested that we do a whole episode on cadence and pedaling techniques. You, and Oh, we should. I can't believe that we haven't already. I, I thought, and I kind of thought we had, I got looking back at him and I'm like, maybe we haven't. So. We're going to start, we're going to accidentally do a duplicate episode one of these days. I think though, like, I don't think people would notice. Science but. gets better every year though. So, you know, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe people would notice. I don't yeah. know. Like, we'll do a whole episode on how to spin your legs in a circle. Yeah. Maybe. You know, I remember people when someone's be like, how do you even like coach cycling? Just tell people to pedal faster. I'm like, yeah. I kind of, I don't yeah. know. Like, <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so first let's talk about strength and mobility. So Joe, what do you think the difference is between flexibility and mobility? Oh, dang. I was going to think those were synonyms. Let me take a crack at it though. Cause flexibility, like flexibility is just, uh, it, maybe flexibility only refers to how can you can manipulate your body and mobility is that plus strength. Okay, that's actually... Did I get it? Pretty much right on. Did I actually... Gosh, this is how I got through high school, man. You know, just <laughs> taking blind guesses. <laughs> yeah, uh, like like flexibility is just how much your joints are able to move. Mobility is the ability to move with stability. Okay. And yeah. stability is, is, is rooted in strength, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so basically, mobility is a combination of strength and flexibility. Okay. Yeah. Dang. So, wow, I feel... Is this what it's like to feel smart? I wouldn't know. Oh, yeah. You you owned yourself for me there. Saved me my breath. So, you know, and kind of an example, and this example I think will help other things make sense as we kind of progress is like picture yourself and you've got a big jug of milk. Okay. And you're holding it out to your side with your arms straight. Yep. You know, and like you can hold it there for a little while, but if you had to hold it there for like 10 minutes, Oh, that you, I don't know if you could, I don't know if you could, Yeah, but you could probably hold it there for like 30 seconds pretty yeah. easily. Maybe if, a if my life was at stake, I could maybe get up to like, to like five minutes. Should we test this? Maybe we should. I should have done it before. Should we, should we just break really quick and test this and then come watch back? it be really easy. And we're no, 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 no. We'll, we'll be right back. I'm going to make Dan do this. Hang on. Okay. So I've got the gallon of milk here. We'll do right arm. Oh, we're doing okay. this while we're recording. And I'll just see how, let's see how long you can hold it while talking. Okay. No, this is terrible. No, okay. this is awesome. This is All content. Right. People are going to love this. <laughs> Through the magic of... Po- okay, whoa. I'm not going to be able to do that. It hurts kay. my back. Okay, I'll start timing, okay? Okay. Okay, so go. I can't talk while I'm holding up this. I'm holding up a jug of milk out on my side, and um, and I'm going to have a really hard time talking while I do this, but... Okay. Uh, so... Mobility, we're so, talking about... Uh, like, okay, but the point is, is like, if I was holding this jug of milk closer to my core... Oh, okay. It would be a lot easier to do. Oh, okay. Or if yeah, it, maybe sense. even if I was holding it out in front of me, but in this out position, it's, you know, it's going to be pretty hard. To okay. do. I'm doing pretty well. You're now. doing pretty well. You're up to uh, 40 seconds. Okay. So, so let, we'll, we'll just talk about some different types of um, mobility that I can't talk long. It's okay. I, I just keep going. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this next. And then you'll get to watch me struggle. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Um, okay. I'm done. It's, okay. 
58 seconds. So that's that's okay. the time to beat. I right. could have beat it, but I could no, have done it for couldn't. twice as long. But I no, you couldn't. I couldn't think and do it at the same time. You can't think and hold something at the same time. I'm not a jug of milk out to my side. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ready? We didn't plan that. Okay. I think people are like, yeah, this sounds scripted. This is a really like clean. Okay, here we go. Oh, so Joe's doing it yeah, now. I'm doing it now. While I just talk. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. So, so the the different types of mobility we want to talk about um, is is first poor hip mobility. So, if you can't hinge at your hip well, you can put it down. No, I've got to beat your time. Hang on. Okay. If you can't hinge at your hip well, what happens is you end up hinging your back somewhere. I do this. Find a picture yeah. of me riding bikes. I hinge my back badly. I need to work yeah. on that. And I do think at least one of the kids I know that was complaining, complaining about a bad back at the race, he was, you know, he definitely hinges his back and not his hips. Um, I actually, you know, I actually rode a, a few days ago with a, one of the coaches on our team. Um, I, I won't mention his name, but he's a physician and he's actually a really, really good cyclist. He's very experienced. He was riding really, really low. He had a really, really low stance, but his posture in his back was just really, perfect. really perfect. And, and he was hinging at his hips. I'm like, okay, that's impressive. So, um, if you can't hinge at your hips, your back's going to do the hinging for you. And that's not the way your back wants to bend. You know, no. when you're standing up, you know, you've kind of got that curvature to your back when you're bending over that curvature disappears. And that's it's really, inverted almost, right? Yeah. And you have beat me. You can put the milk down. No, I'm going to, you said you could have gone twice as long. So I'm going to beat what you think you could have done okay. is my goal. So, so yeah. So, so not being able to hinge at your hips is, is a major source of, of back pain. Um, usually the reason that you cannot hinge at your hips is because of tight hamstrings. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so that's, you know, and the, the way you can kind of address that is, you know, st- stretching your glutes, stretch. <laughs> okay, I'm okay, put it down. Do people it. aren't going to, people probably aren't even listening to me right Two now. Two minutes. Okay, good job. Um, that was really hard though. I couldn't have done that for five. I thought I could do it for five. Yeah. So, so like I said, usually, you know, tight hamstrings, tight glutes are the reason that people have difficulty hinging at their hips. So um, the, next, the next one's poor core stability. Um, the, you know, our core, it, it kind of, it, a, a strong core is going to support and protect the spine and, and it's going to protect it during movements and it's going to kind of help keep things aligned. So protect it from like moving in a way that would damage it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Like, and also, you know, like moving in a way that would support it in but if you didn't have that strength, it would be unsupported. And so um, if you have that strong core, you can, you, can make, you can do movements that people with weaker cores can't do because their core would be unsu- their, their spine would be unsupported, whereas if you have the strong core, it's supporting it. Okay. So um, yeah, so, so the recommendations for, for strength and mobility to kind of improve this aspect of, of back health would be, um, first of all, strength training. Strength training is huge, and it's 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 become very in vogue right now. I think the majority of pro cyclists are are doing some type of strength training program. We've recommended it before. We did a whole podcast on strength training. You might want to go back and listen to. It probably wasn't too terrible, maybe. 
it's a bold guess, but sure. <laughs> um, so like like deadlifts, for instance, probably I would probably say kind of the bread and butter of of strength for 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 cyclists. And what that does is it really combines, you know, your hip mobility with strength. Um, one one caution about strength training is that if you do it wrong, it's not going to help you. I do honestly wonder, because I was actually hearing about a kid who was complaining about a bad back that does a ton of weightlifting. Mm. And he was even kind of bragging about how much he lifts and so forth. I recently have kind of got back into strength. I've always had a really strong back. Um, During the move, when we were moving just recently, I did kind of hurt my back a little bit. And and my back normally doesn't hurt. I've got a pretty strong back. Um, I decided to get back into to, to doing my deadlifts, and I think I was just kind of progressing too fast and trying to do too much too soon, and I did hurt my back a little bit for a, for a day or two. So really, if you're going to do this, just make sure you're getting some type of instruction. I mean, maybe the least case watching some YouTube videos, um, starting, starting really, really light, like even maybe doing the form without weight at all. Yep. And then gradually progressing super slowly, adding more and more weight at a time, just ensuring that first and foremost, you have good form because yeah, if you're not doing this right, it's, it's almost kind of like the same thing as hurting your back on the bike, you know, because it's, if you're doing it with bad form, this is an, excellent way to very quickly and violently damage your back. And like, this is what people pay Art O'Connor for. This is what, this is the point of Wukar. And and I know Brady Preston has a good, has a friend that, yeah, that, that teaches people how to lift with good form and stuff. I I would even say like do a YouTube video as a refresher for a class you've done with a professional before have somebody who can watch you do it. I, I would say like, it's worth paying someone, especially if, if like, you know, we said you are somebody who struggles with a, with a bad back in the first place, you know, be really, really cautious with your approach to lifting. And, and if you do have a bad back, I would take a period of time to rest first, heal the back before you start doing, you know, and maybe even do core work before you start doing um, the, the, the strength training. So, so that's the first one, strength training. We've talked about it before. It's, it's incredibly important. Um, the next one is, is core workouts. Um, and the core workouts that I would say probably are most important are the ones that, that really focus on the hips, the glutes and the hamstrings. Um, you know, the core workouts, you know, my, my favorite, the ones I like to do are just kind of like planks, side planks, um, some, some back extensions, some clamshells, you know, just, um, your, your core isn't just your abs. It's, it's the muscle, you know, it's your glutes. It's, it's, it's your hip flexors. It's the muscles that wrap around your back. It's, you know, all those things need to be, need to be strengthened. Um, and probably, you know, if, if this is something you struggle with, and I think this would be a really good recommendation for everybody is to do a Pilates class and not oh, even yeah. just a class. I, like I found a really good one. Just the cyclist on YouTube had a Pilates instructor from Wales 
do a class that was kind of Pilates specific for cyclists. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and I watched it, you know, it'd probably take about 30 minutes to do the workout. It had a lot of variety, um, covered a lot of bases. And, and I think it did a really good job of being cycling specific. So if you're interested in that, I can send you the link. Um, I, I think that that would be, could be kind of a game changer for a lot of people that, that are, are struggling with, with back trouble during riding. And really um, quick, I should say the fact that you are not currently struggling with back pain doesn't mean you should ignore this. Like I think doing like this Pilates stuff, this, I don't know if you'd call it prophylactic almost like doing it, you know, ahead of time. Um, this is an investment in your longevity in this sport because the fact that you don't have back pain now does not mean that you won't in the future. And if you strengthen your core now, ideally you'll just never have to deal with it. Oh yeah. Cause, cause having a strong core isn't just about, yeah. Avoiding back pain. It also makes you faster. It makes your oh, legs yeah. stronger. I mean, usually it's your core is kind of the weak link. You know, your legs are incredibly strong. And, and unless well, people always joke like, oh, cyclists have no upper body strength. Like cyclists have unbelievable upper body. Like maybe like they couldn't arm wrestle you. Yeah. We don't have um, big biceps, but other than that, you oh have my to gosh, be pretty the core strong. strength of a professional, like especially like a professional road racer has to like stabilize themselves upright seven hours a day, every single day. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's don't ignore it. I'm so guilty of ignoring it. Um, which sucks. Like I'm leaving so much on the table. Yeah. So again, let me just reemphasize that, you know, with your Pilates or with your core workouts, just make sure you're doing something that is going to address tight hamstrings. That's going to address hip mobility, your hip flexors, your glutes, your, your glute medius, like the side, your side, butt. I guess you, I don't know what you call side, it. Side, butt. <laughs> Address your side butt is the title of this episode. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> That'd be confusing. Oh, okay, fine. Um, but yeah, yeah. But really, address, really work on on those tight hamstrings. No, we we've gone over hinging a lot before in our skills clinics. Yep, game changer. Yeah, and Shout not only Dawson. is that good for, you know, for downhill descending skills, um, it, it's also good. You, you know, it, it helps you engage your you know, to, to be more mobile at your hips and to be able to hinge at your hips rather than at your back. So practice your hinging, um, practice good. And that, that's the thing with deadlift form. You know, if you have good deadlift form that involves hinging at your hips. So super important, super important to hinge at your hips, not at your back. Okay. All right. So that was the first one. Let's move on to number two, which was position and posture. Okay. So you know, we talked about um, Dr. Armani. I think I pronounce his name differently every time I've You've, said it. I've heard like, Army, Armini, and Armani now. So <laughs> Armani, it's not like fancy bags or something. I, I think. Okay. Yeah, no, it is. Giorgio Armani, right? Yeah, so I pronounce his name different every time. But um, I'm just covering all my bases. You know, he mentioned that, you know, kind of if you're strong enough, you can, yeah. you can ride anything and... You know, you talk to a bike fitter and a bike fitter will tell you that the, you know, your bike fits the key to relieving back pain or preventing back pain. And right. obviously, obviously it's the a common truth is nuanced, no easy, simple answers. You know, you really need what to change, drag. you know, strength training and core work and, and, and balanced and mobility kind of changes your body to fit the bike. And then your bike fit needs to, is where you kind of change the bike to fit the body. And hopefully by kind of coming at it from both directions, you're going to get the best result. Yeah. So, and not to like overemphasize this, but like the way I think about core strength and bike fit is that it allows you to unlock strength in your legs. That's there that you can't use otherwise. So my core is not great. 
Um, I need to be working on that more. I don't know that my bike fits all that good. And I can tell you that like three-ish hours into a ride, I lose a lot of power because like my core just gets really mushy, you know, and like my descending gets worse. You know, everything, everything will deteriorate as soon as your, uh, uh, you know, like my core is strong enough to get me through the first hour of a ride. I can tell you in the last half hour of a lot of races, my legs are doing okay, but just everything else is, is mushy. You know, it's mm-hmm. like if you put, you know, a giant, like a V12 engine in a car made of cardboard, doesn't matter how strong the engine is, it's just going to flop around. I know we talk about this all the time. It's one of those things like zone two that we just can't overemphasize. It's one of the two or three things that we really care about people actually like digesting from this podcast. Like a lot of what we say is BS. This isn't. Well, and thanks for bringing up zone two in this podcast. We have to mention it every time. Yeah. We're in the pocket of big zone two. <laughs> Okay, so position and posture. Um, probably the one of the biggest problems that I think a lot of the kids with with bad backs. Pr- part of the reason for that is they're just they're just reaching too far. Right. You know, kind of like the example of us holding that gallon of milk out. Yep. You know, where we were holding it out that far, it made it harder, right? If you're holding it close, you could hold it all day. You should probably put this milk back in the fridge, huh? That's probably true. Okay, we'll we'll cut we'll cut to do that in a sec. <laughs> But, you know, so a lot of kids are just reaching too far and their back is, you know, it has the muscles and the strength to support it out that far for a little while. But after maybe 20 or 30 minutes, those muscles that are supporting it kind of start to get weak and, and fatigue and, and fatigue muscles can be painful sometimes. So, um, so that's, that's probably one of the, the biggest issues. Um, the other one that's quite common is is that a lot of people have their seats too high. Now, if you have your seat too low, you're not going to be very powerful. Yeah. If you, But if you have your seat too high, what happens is it kind of causes your pelvis to rock on the saddle. And and as it's rocking, it's, it's causing some of those lower back muscles to fatigue. Yep. And so a rocking pelvis is kind of a recipe for back trouble so like the simplest way to decide the most just basic way to decide how how high your seat should be is like as high as you can before your hips start rocking is that fair is that an insane thing to say um no no i know just enough about bike fit to be dangerous okay me too i don't know anything that's just how i've always assumed right yeah and that's that's true like your hips should not be rocking right hips rocking Um, seats too high yeah yeah, and there's 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 different ways to kind of determine your seat post height. Typically, like if you're if you're sitting on the saddle and your legs extended, you should be able to drop your heels some, so that when you're actually slightly, you know, when you're actually pedaling, it's not coming. Your knees not coming down to a straight line. At the, right. You know, I usually put my heel on the pedal, and that kind of gets it really really close. You know, it gets you in the ballpark with a straight leg, but. We're gonna we're gonna talk more about um, about bike fit in another episode, but because oh, I want to tell the story about Nike Joe and his insane bike fit with the seat way too high and then the saddle down like ten degrees and the ninety mil stem and all of the horrible mistakes yeah, that Nike think, Joe made. I think Nike Joe made a lot of bike fitting mistakes to make your bike look cool and racy, but yeah, yeah. I saw that picture of Yaroslav Kalhavi's bike. I can still remember the exact picture, which I'm sure his bike fitter could defend for his weird freakish body. But like, you know, it's not the move for most of us. Don't do that. Yeah. And, and I've, I've seen kids too that are riding their bikes. Cause like, you'll find that like when you raise your saddle, if your saddle's too ro- low, you raise it and you 
start just, going faster. Yeah, you unlock all this power and it feels yeah, awesome. It but feels, it's not. And so like yeah. they can't, you kind of think, they, well, if some's oh, good, more is yeah. better. Yep. And so they raise it to a point where they're just, their toes are pointing way, way down. Yep. And, and yeah. you know, you're getting calf cramps and you're kind of having to push your hips down to be able to hit the... <sighs> giving me memories of the good old days, Dan. Yeah. Reminiscing so, about high school. So yeah, so reaching too far and the seat too high are probably the two biggest bike fit issues okay. um, that might that could cause back problems. Um, one thing about the 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 back problems that the, a seat too high causes is is that heels actually exaggerate that because you actually drop your heel a little more right. when you're when you're climbing a steep hill. And you're leaning farther forward too, I guess. Huh? And and so yeah, so climbing steep hills kind of exaggerates that. In general, if if you, the, your pain in your back is across the entire lower back, it's probably too far of a reach. Okay. Problem. Okay. And if it's one side or the other, it's probably it's probably like your seat's too high. Okay. You know, you're you're kind of extending one, and that a lot of times that comes because one of your legs is a little longer than the other, and the one that's like shorter is having to reach a little farther to to accomplish the same thing. So, and we say probably because bike fitting is super complicated and there are no simple, easy answers. So bear that in mind too. Yeah. So, so some recommendations on your bike fit. And I think these are things that we can all kind of look for, for ourselves is, um, first of all is remember to hinge from your hips. Okay. Don't hinge from your back. You should okay. practice hinging from your hips. That's good posture on the bike is is something that might take practice and 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 um and de being deliberate with too you know okay. it, it might not come super easy for for most of us probably so so next um you know you would try moving your you might try moving your saddle forward a little bit and then using a shorter stem but maybe raising it up and what this is doing is this is making it so you're sitting a little more upright and you're not reaching out as far because like if you're, you know, if you just kind of picture yourself sitting up on the bike, the more you lean forward, the more, you know, the more your back is having to kind of hold you up. The, the less natural a position your back is in is another way to think yeah. of it. <laughs> and the more weight's going to be on your hands. Right. You know, your hands are going to be doing a lot of, a lot of holding you up as, as you slide your saddle forward and and your handlebars closer into it kind of puts you in a, like a more upright position, which puts your back in a more natural state, you know, where your back has that natural curvature. And that's probably going to alleviate a lot of back trouble. Yep. Now, one thing about sliding the saddle forward, you, you really don't want to do that very much. Ideally the, when you're, you know, when you're, um, when your pedals in like the three o'clock position, your knee should, you should be able to draw a straight line, between your knee and the center of your your pedal spindle. Yep. If okay. it goes beyond that, it's probably too far. It might cause some knee issues. Okay. If it's too far back, you're probably reaching too far. Can I throw something out really quick about bikes and how they've changed? If you're listening to this and you've been doing this for 10 or 20 years, mountain bikes are getting longer. Um, we've discovered that shorter stems um, positively affect handling. Um, I, I had a customer say to me at Backcountry one time, we were building a new bike and he was coming off of like an old scalpel or whatever. And he was like, oh yeah, my old bike has a, a 80 mil stem. So I want an 80 mil stem on this bike. I'm like, no, 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 no. These bikes are designed to be run with shorter stems. Um, 
I think that ooh, this is a stab in the dark here. I think most people would benefit from a shorter stem, not a longer stem. If you were still running, especially if you have like a pretty, if you have a modern bike and you're running, unless you're super duper tall, I, I think a 50 mil stem is really long these days. Yeah, Don't th- be running super, super long stems. Cause shorter stems, like they actually help us. They, they, they kind of change your, your rad dimension that Lee McCormick right. talk, talks about, right, which right, right. helps you be able to go down steeper drops or whatever. Right. But in this case, I'm just talking about bringing it closer to you. Right. I'm not talking about dropping it down though. Right. Um, a lot of people, if like, you know, you might have to add spacers to put your back in a more comfortable position. You won't be as arrow. Right. And you probably can't go down as steep of drops. Right. Um, but it does put you, you know, as you scoot your seat and your hands closer together, it kind of straightens your back up, which, you know, if, if you're, you know, if, if your core isn't capable of supporting you at some super low angle, you know, you're going to have to change your bike to that point until right. it develops to that point. So really quick, there's going to be someone listening. 50 was too much. I, I'd say 70, 50 is pretty normal, but don't be running like hundred mil stems on mountain bikes. Please, 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 please don't ever do that ever. Unless you're seven feet tall. Sorry. That was my little soapbox there. Yeah. So, yeah. So while you're working on mobility, while you're working on strength, you're probably going to want to, you know, shorten your stem, move your saddle a little bit closer, which puts you kind of in a more upright position. Right. And yeah, that's hopefully that makes sense. I don't know if right. I explain that. It's not going to help you arrow wise, but you no, know, it's not going to help you arrow. We're talking to a mountain bike audience here. Exactly. And, and I guarantee that having to pull out a race because of bad backs can affect you yeah. more than not being as arrow. And well, and truthfully on the road bike too, I, I think this is because you have the drops on the road bike. If you want to be arrow, be in the drops, you know, cause you don't want to be like climb. You don't need to be, if you're climbing big cottonwood Canyon, it doesn't really matter how arrow your body position is for most of us. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't sweat that all that much. Yeah. Yeah. Cause most of the back trouble we're dealing with happens while people are, people are climbing. Yep. So yep. Yep. All right. So that was the second one position and posture um the last one we mentioned and this is the one that was kind of a new discovery to me is is cadence you know i, I mean before um before i talked to the doctor in, in missoula i didn't really realize I, yeah, I wouldn't that, have called that out that cadence had such an important impact on back pain right um but it, it really did make sense because he kind of described you know as you're climbing up like a really steep hill you're a lot of times you like you like use your arms and pull them kind of towards you as you pedal down it helps you create more power and but if if you do that for extended periods of time you're weakening some muscles that aren't super strong if you're doing that to respond to an attack for 30 seconds that's probably fine but if you're doing a 30 minute long climb like that that's going to cause problems right yeah so the recommendations to kind of to deal with that is is first of all I would have more than one chain ring. I think that I think a lot of people just have a 32 that they just leave on. That they just leave on. Yeah. I would probably own a 30 and a 34. Okay. You know, and you can throw the 34 on and on a Nike race on a flat yeah, course. Race and vernal or yeah. you know. Or even like somewhere with like where the climbs aren't long. And I guarantee there were kids there with 34s climbing those. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, no, it wouldn't surprise oh. me at all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you know, and if you're doing, if you're doing Missoula or something with, with steep climbing, throw on your 30. Yep. Um, you know, like, like when you're climbing, you should be, 
you should be able to have a high enough cadence that you can still relax your upper body as you're climbing. Um, you know, just you, sh you should be able to like really not have to rely on a lot of pulling motion from your, your handlebars. Cause that's a lot of extra energy too, you right. know, that you're, you're kind of expending. With. Right. So, so, um, another thing that a lot of people recommend too, uh, just because like this improves stability is, is maybe moving your cleat a little more towards the center of your foot. A lot of people might have them too far out towards the toe, which kind of puts you in a less stable position. Another Nike Joe. Wow. I just did everything, huh? It's, <laughs> in, it's almost incredible looking back. Probably help you descending too. And again, it's like, it, you know, more is oh, necessarily it, it better. Really, it definitely helps you descend better to have your cleat yeah. move back a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing to it because you really don't have a whole lot of room. You can move your cleat. You know, it's not going to be like the center of your foot. Like, right. Like downhill racers I, might do. But. Basically, I'd, I'd err on the side of having it closer to the center point of your foot. Start from there and then yeah. move it as far forward as I guess you need to, but don't start at the top. Yeah. Um, and the last one is just stand up more. You know, say you're climbing and you get to a section that kind of just bumps up and gets steeper. Learn how to maintain traction while you're standing when you climb. Yep. The more you can stand up during a ride, the less your back's going to hurt. Yeah. It's going to kind of return the back back to its neutral position that it wants to be in. It's going to give it a little rest. It's going to give it a chance to rest at that. And and it's going to feel better. And, and also, you know, as you stand up, you're able to produce more power. Yeah. Um, you use different muscles. You don't want to do it too much because it is less efficient to stand. But do it periodically because it's going to be, you know, give those, you know, work different muscles for a second. You do get more of more of that punchy power. I would say like a lot of times, because you, know, you don't want to stand up the whole, you could do a whole ride seated or a whole climb seated. You couldn't really do a whole ride, a whole climb standing. But I think a lot of climbs are so technical and so steep that it is probably more efficient to just stand and, and blitz them really quick than like, you know, sitting and, and grunting your way over. Exactly. You know, if you've got like this little climb that, you know, rather than having to shift into an easier gear and, right. and spin up it, you know, yep. if you can just stand up it, preserve the momentum and just kind of get over it. And then you can sit back down and, th and that's going to give your back a little chance to rest. And even too, like, if you're doing like a really long, like climbing a road bike, I'll every few minutes, I'll throw in, you know, 10, 20 seconds of standing just to like mix it up let my back stretch out a little bit, use different muscles. So yeah. use standing strategically. Well, yeah, but stand more than you have been. And I've, I've kind of told people, you know, cause sitting is a little more efficient. I've, I, I think a lot of people think that standing is bad. Yeah. And, and I do think it's kind of a skill that you have to develop to be able to, cause if you put your weight in the right place, oh, yeah. you can stand up and still have traction. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It is a skill that can need a little bit of practice. Uh, Lee McCormick taught us some really cool techniques that, that are very helpful to, to be able to, so yeah, so stand more, but yeah, again, with cadence, let me just reemphasize that. Like, I think a lot of people tend to brag about how big of a chain ring they're able to push. Yeah. Like I, like when I went, when my, when I got my bike, it came with a 34 and I rode that for a while. Most cross country bikes did. And at least, I mean, that's only really changed in the past year or two. Like 34 is kind of the standard cross country size for an Eagle drivetrain. And I felt kind of like weak when I switched, when I ordered a 32 and put it on, oh, yeah. but I liked it. Yeah. And then for, you know, for point to point, I put on a 30 and I'm like, Oh, I like this. And I haven't ever put 
the 32 or 34 back on, but I know a lot of kids like to brag about that. They, they push really quick. The only advantage of, of a bigger ring is that you can go faster and still pedal. So like essentially for sprinting, um, if you are doing varsity Nika, I, you could maybe justify 30, 30, 34. There's, I was talking to somebody who's going to do 36 for some people. If you're sprinting a lot, if you're dealing with a lot of high speed, um, if you feel like you're constantly spinning out with 34, that's fine. Most of us don't need that really, truly. Like I've been riding a 32 all year doing lots of races. I'm a big guy. I've got a sprint. Haven't spun out yet. You know, you'll maybe spin out on a road and that's a little annoying, but like, I don't. And, and I have, a, I ride a 30 and I spin it out on roads, but I rarely spin it out on a trail. Yeah. And even that, how much are we riding our mountain bikes on roads when it, or our time matters? I, I don't know. I think most people, I think 30 should probably be the default chain ring size around here. Um, and I think so too. Nino I, pushes a 38 a lot of the time I've heard, which is outrageous. But you know, when you have a 450 watt FTP, you can do that too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so those I think I think those are some pretty simple things, and I think they're worth trying. Um, I I think there's probably a combination of those things that are going to help, but um, but yeah, I hope I hope this is helpful. You know, I, I um, you know there you might have a some more complicated back problems yep. that obviously a medical doctor is going to have to help diagnose. But I do think that all these things we talked about, no matter if you have a good back or a bad back or whatever, I mean, they'll still help you be fa- a faster, safer cyclist. Yeah, so. You're not going to waste your time here. So, yeah. So just to review, you know, work on your strength and mobility, especially, um, especially flexibility in your hamstrings, which, which prevents people from being able to hinge at their hips. And so they hinge at their backs instead. Um, strength, strengthen that core, strengthen that body. Um, you know, lifting weights is, you know, the, the, the deadlifts are just basically kind of, it, it, it kind of combines those movements that we need and, and you'll be strong in those movements too, you know? Um, so your position, your posture, you know, try, you know, maybe try riding a little more upright position. Um, you know, when, when you're climbing, you really don't have to be that arrow. Um, nope. I, I think that's going to help a lot. Um, and then, spin at a higher cadence you know don't be using as much arm leverage to get up the steep hill and and stand up more so i i hope this is helpful um if not it's not gonna hurt i'm pretty sure so yeah probably not gonna probably you know it's it's like oh no i made myself stronger for nothing boohoo so yeah focus on that uh once more before we let you go uh let us know what you want us to talk about we are getting to the point here we're coming up on a year of doing this. Um, there will always be new content to talk about and, you know, the science always keeps getting better and better. So we're not going to run out of things to talk about, but like we've covered a lot of the basic bases, throw out something kind of maybe a little left field. We'll definitely take a look. Can't promise it'll be the next week, but, um, you know, let Dan and I know what you guys would like to hear about and what would be helpful to you. All right. Well, we'll talk to you folks next week. And, uh, well, we, Dan will talk to you folks next week. Oh, that's right. I, I will be out for two weeks for a wedding and a honeymoon. Um, oh, do we so, have a secret word? Ooh, secret word? Uh, wedding. That's topical, right? Okay, Should sure. I make this about me? Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Dan will talk to you next week.